0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. Cube Show Podcast, a college football show podcast, whatever you want to call it that comes to you on Sundays and because of the holiday weekend a little bit of a road show again today but we got you covered for this week. I want to get into transfers. Transfers at every SEC school we're going to discuss those, but in a little bit of a different way. First thing we're going to do, remove quarterbacks and talk about the most important transfer into every other SEC school that's not a quarterback. We'll go through those why I think there's one that sticks out more than the others. A couple of these are really hard to pick. A couple of these are very difficult. you bounce them back and forth, won't really be sure. Also get into a little bit of news that's happening. Uh, there's a lot going on in college football. Um, NIL, obviously, big part of the conversation. We saw some commentary coming out of Ross Bjork and Texas A&M that essentially said, the NCAA trying to send down these mandates of here are the rules. We expect you to follow them. Ross Bjork saying we're going with the law in the state of Texas. And that's how we're going to roll. Um, To me, kind of took that as a massive middle finger to the NCAA of don't care what you say. Don't care what you do. Not sure you can do much about it, but legally in this state, this is what we're capable of doing and this is what we're going to go do i do think there's a little misconception as to some folks getting mad about what the texas schools may be able to do a lot of that stuff's happening in a lot of other places it's just verbalized in a little bit of a different way so here's my thing just quickly with with name, image, and likeness. NIL. It's, it's not going away. We're not putting the toothpaste back in the bottle. I do not believe that there's going to be barriers, parameters, guardrails that are ever going to be set. Could there be strict rules as to how NIL takes place down the road? First, and f- well, let me go back a little bit even further. Well, We need to stop calling this NIL in a lot of different places because it's not what it is. It's pay for play. It's pay to show up and come here. It's, it's essentially salary is what it is. And that's fine. That's what we want it to be, what we, where we want it to get. But it's just, it's, we got a lot of other websites and people that keep pushing, you know, name, image, and likeness, and it's great, and this person's worth this and all that. It's just, it's not even really what it is a lot of the times. So you understand the coach's frustration and the tampering becomes a part of the problem. And people say, we got to get rid of tampering. But then when you go a little bit deeper and you actually dive into it, is it even tampering? Because you sit back and say, OK, kids can have agents now like this kind of stuff's been happening in baseball for a long time. Kids can have agents and kids look back and say to their agent comes to them. I can get you one hundred thousand here. I can get you seventy five thousand here. We can get you half a million we, if you hit the portal. And then they hit the portal and they hear from three or four different schools. They actually get the money, whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be here. It's just if you go in the portal, we can get you this. So it's, I understand it. it's, it's a frustrating conversation. There are a lot of different ways it can go. Um, but you got coaches going up to DC, you got the NCAA trying to tell people what to do. You got people saying, we're not following your rules. We're following state rules. It's just all over the place. And as I've tried to state before, meeting in the middle is our biggest problem in college football right now. No one wants to meet in the middle. Everybody wants theirs, and they want all of theirs right now nobody wants to come in and say okay you know what cool we'll give a little bit here we'll give a little bit there and then we'll be able to figure all this out everybody nil okay take it we're, we're we are freaking terrified of a lawsuit just have it all have it your way right away burger king the whole thing get out of here and and go go do it uh transfer portal we are scared of thomas mars we don't want to deal with this anymore uh you want to go somewhere in conference out of conference four times 11 times two times whatever it is just just go have fun go be be happy and so instead Instead of trying to come up with something where we could all maybe find a way to live in a certain spot and make it work. Transfer portal back in the news. Um apparently some rules trying to tighten the windows a little bit. I think it sounds great in theory, but we just tightened the windows less than a year ago and it didn't it did it did nothing. Like the 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 transfer window has been closed, yet still We have guys going in the portal seemingly every day. So I I don't I do think that the portal is a bigger portion of the problem. And if you could slow that down or you could begin to penalize for leaving, even if you wanted to leave open all the different reasons, then I think there would be a way to be able to find somehow to make that work and calm some things down. At the end of the day, somebody's going to have to step up at some point and say, hey, man, you don't have to play college football. And this is what it's going to be. But on the flip side of that, there will be lawsuits. And I don't know how you manage all that. I don't know what you do with it, but games never been more popular college athletics. I think as a whole, I don't think women's basketball has ever been more popular. I don't think college baseball has ever been more popular. Softball is close to its height all time. I think gymnastics has maybe never been more popular across the board. So I'm, we can talk about a lot of the negativity, but then you look at the results and they're pretty good right now. Like, has it, have you shied away from watching any college football? Cause I sure as hell have not I love it and I watch it and I want to consume more of it. Give me all of it. Give me every bit of it, every game. I want all of it. Um, and then to go a little further down the road, this is probably a conversation for an entire episode. One that I'm not going to go all the way down the road with now, but the and it took me off guard what Mac Brown said on Paul Feinbaum's show last week about he thinks in two to three years, these players are going to become employees. Um, Having worked in the XFL, talking to some people who have helped start that league and restart that league twice. um, And then some other folks that are sort of around the employment part of it. I think it's a lot more difficult than we think. And I think a lot of certain people want it, and they believe that they want it and they believe that the players want it. Here's here's the other part. Just be careful who you're listening to, because one of the biggest issues in all of this, in my opinion, is misguided leadership in front of the players like the the players really and truly have nowhere to turn to have positive guided leadership, because you got one guy that says he runs the National Collegiate Players Association or whatever it is, but that's not a real thing. We don't have that. You got another guy who runs a different players association, but we also don't have that. Those two guys also know that down the road, you know, they'll sit there and tell you that it's player rights and we want to help. And these poor kids and poor guys, and you should give up everything, even though I did when I played and we're just trying to help you. We're here for the greater good of the players. Yet at the end of the day, they know good and well, they can make a shitload of cash If this all goes their way and to get 13,000, 12,000, 11,500 players all on the same page. And then when that rolls each and every year, I find that just mind boggling to consider that I could even take place. That's my opinion. And it's not even that I don't want it to happen. I just think it would be so difficult to get so many different entities on the same page to make that happen. So. It's an interesting path. I don't know where it's headed. We'll continue to follow it. We'll continue to talk about it. We're not going to ever spend a ton of time on that. Uh, what we will spend some time on though is a player who did hit the transfer portal. I think it's a pretty big one. Uh, first, as you guys know, each and every week brought to you by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. Got them in the fridge, got them at home. Uh, I was talking to my boy, Taylor, over at Soho Social, Soho Standard, down there in Homewood. Uh, Friday night, took my wife out for her birthday dinner. And he said they have two new dishes coming where they're going to utilize Wickles, and it's going to be fantastic. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but go pick them up. If you can't find them in your grocery store wickles.com, they will drop ship those things to you, and you will have them right away. Title sponsor of the show, thank you so much, Wickles. We appreciate you. Alabama defensive lineman, Jamil Burroughs has hit the transfer portal. Apparently, there was a confrontation with a coach, which is never good, especially if that becomes physical, verbal. It's going to happen sometimes. We're going to see that. We hear that. Seen a million of them. Physical, now you're on a different level. Different level of disrespect. Can't put up with it. Nobody's going to want to put up with it. Rarely do you see a kid kind of bounce back from that and everybody be on the same page. Problem here is, even though earlier in this show, we told you that we thought maybe the interior defensive lineman, the best interior defensive lineman in the SEC plays for Alabama. They still need other guys to help. So he going to have a big year, but we've been waiting on Tim Smith to come on for a while. And it doesn't feel like there's two or three others that are right there ready to go. As far as inside defenders, like a boy nice, but he's, he's a little bit lighter and sleeker. He doesn't give you that body type burrows with somebody. I think they were depending on to be able to give them that. So this is just another body removed that I think could have helped Alabama inside. And I think that might be a place of concern outside of Otis. So now I think a lot more onus goes on Tim Smith. Got to step it up. Got to have him have a big year and we'll see what takes place. But going back to the focus of the show this week, as I stated, the most important transfer at every SEC school incoming transfer that's not a quarterback so we'll go through every school. We'll start with Alabama, since we just mentioned Burroughs on his way out. Now, I think there are a couple of different ways you can go. Some people might think this was an easy one, but I think it's a little bit more complicated. Like C.J. Dupree, the tight end who's coming in, I think he could be really nice. But you also have Amari Nyblack, you have Robbie Youth, So I think you have some different options there that can help you do different things, be different players. He might not be as much of a focal point, but I do think that position is going to be highlighted and it's going to be something you need like Trez Marshall, the linebacker from Georgia, you know, if Deontay Lawson kind of can't get it going. And even though Trez might not be as physically gifted as Lawson, he becomes an important player because that brain on the field has always needed to be present for a Pete Golding, a Nick Saban, a Kevin Steele defense, a Kirby smart defense, whatever it is, they have to have that guy that knows it and look at toe toe. why he was so successful, he was able to come in verbal. Everything, make the calls, make the checks, get everybody lined up. And if you're if you're lined up correctly, you know where you're going, I mean, assignment, alignment, effort, you give me those three things, we got a chance. But you gotta have that assignment and that alignment part first before the effort actually really counts. So he could be big. I I get it, I understand it. But for me, this is Malik Benson. And I do think in the portal, sometimes we forget JUCO transfers and they can still be massive. By all accounts, Malik Benson has been ripping it up and he is a guy physically that is going to give Alabama something that they need at wide receiver. Like I've said before, I think the I think the group collectively is solid and can be good, but I think this is someone that has a little bit of extra juice and because we haven't seen him play at another G5 school or P5 school, he's not going to get the hype or the consideration or the credit that maybe he deserves coming in because we have all these other guys that we've seen in a different uniform, put up numbers somewhere else, win a champion somewhere else, you know, Moss, a guy in the field somewhere. And we saw that game. We watched that game. We watched him do this, but this is someone that not a lot of eyes have been on. And I think he's going to come in and have a massive year for Alabama. I think he's more physically gifted than anybody else in that room has a little bit of extra juice and going to give Alabama a little bit, something different. So yes, to me, Malik Benson, the most important transfer Coming into Alabama this season, even if we included quarterbacks here, I'm not sure that I would have Tyler Buckner ahead of him because what if it's Simpson? What if something happens with Milro and it is him? What if it's Simpson Milrow or even Buckner Milrow and it's 60-40 Milrow's getting a lot of run? Would the wide receiver then end up still be a little bit more important? I just think a game changer there gives Tommy Reese something totally different with his offense. So I'm going to put Benson at the head of the pack for Alabama as the most important non-quarterback transfer coming in. But even if we included quarterbacks, I think he would still be there. Up next, we've got Auburn. I think this is a very interesting one, too. I'm kind of excited to talk about this one, because I think when you look at for me immediately, I thought Dylan Wade. Because I've told you guys, Dylan Wade, you watch the Tulsa film, he's a stud. I mean, he's a road grader. He pass pro can handle himself. He's big, tackle frame, physically gifted, quick, can change directions. I think these guys are going to come in and be able to help in a lot of different ways. Now, there are, there's a lot to choose from here when you're talking about Auburn. Like Justin Rogers up front on defense, he gives them a body inside that you're probably not going to have that's capable of being a penetrator, a disruptor, a two gapper, a guy inside that just does a lot of different things they didn't have. Uh, So I I think right away you look at, okay, well, could it have been him? Uh, I think also you look at Jalen McLeod um, as an edge rusher. I wonder how effective Jalen McLeod's going to be as a three down player in the sec. I think he's going to be great rushing the passer. I told you guys I've watched this film. I love his motor. I love his energy. I love his length. He's got pretty good pass rush moves. He's got long arms knows how to use them comes tracks, plays down from the backside. Like he's got effort sacks. He's got one-on-one wins inside, outside. He's, he's, he's great, great player. But if he's not super effective on first and second down, does he then become the most important transfer that Auburn brings in? And so you go back to Dylan Wade and you say, okay, if we're not including quarterbacks, we think Peyton Thorne would be that guy, right? Okay. Cause he's going to probably change the dynamic of the offense a little bit or a lot got to protect him to be successful. Cool. Understand completely. But at least what else you've brought in could offset that. So I think Dylan Wade is the best offensive lineman they brought in. But – also brought in Avery Jones at center. You brought in Jaden Muskrat from Tulsa played right tackle. You got Xavion Miller speaking to Juco kids coming in. Number one Juco tackle. So he comes in. Is he going to be able to help physically? I don't know if he's ready right now, but could be a guy with talent down the road that helps a ton. It might be a gigantic help for that Auburn offense. I think also Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky comes in. You know, he's a guy that may play some guard, but if you had to potentially could kick him out to tackle where he's played before Jeremiah Wright's going to be back on that offensive line, a kid that I love, You know, plays with that nasty physical demeanor. So I guess what I'm saying is because of the other lineman you brought in, you may be okay there if Dylan Wade didn't work out. Let's just say something happened in camp. He's not able to go this year. You still may, may be able to piece that thing together, but there were two positions this off season that Auburn had to have offensive line and wide receiver. And in my opinion, Jair Shorter makes that team very different because the North Texas wide receiver gives you a big physical target that can high point the football, that does not mind working in traffic, He'll work the middle of the field, and has the speed to take the top off of a defense. I'm not saying that he's a super burner. Like He's not just going to win with speed, but you give him one-on-one coverage, he is going to be able to utilize speed to get over top of you and be able to hurt you on explosive plays, led the nation in yards per catch. I just think physically he's different. And I think Q Free is going to be able to design things for him. And Philip Montgomery are going to be able to design things for him. And he's going to be able to hurt you in a lot of different ways. So I I love Dylan Wade. I do. Um, I think he may end up being the best overall player that they've brought in through the portal. And we could talk about Austin Keys at linebacker. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to choose from here. However, and you guys also know, like, Brian Batte at running back. I think he's going to do a lot of different things. I think he'll catch the ball out of the backfield. He'll carry the ball. He's not a liability in pass pro. Like he can be a three down back. He's going to return kicks at times. So I think his versatility helps. You can run some two back motion him out and he can operate as a receiver. He has that kind of physical skill. However, Jair Shorter is the one that's going to make this offense different because of what he's capable of doing short range and down the field on deep balls. He is physically different than anything Auburn has at wide receiver. And just because there were other numbers brought in on the offensive line that could potentially help, like I don't think the other wide receivers brought in, like Ronaldo Fairweather is going to be great at tight end. Shorter's just a little bit of a different dude. So for me, he's the most important transfer that Auburn brings in this offseason, not including quarterbacks, because we know Peyton Thorne would be there and be at the top of that list. All right. Florida was kind of a tough one because there's not a ton to choose from here. Uh, you got a couple of guys in the secondary that I do think can help, but because of how Austin Armstrong's going to utilize versatility, I don't know if any one is going to be that important, but for me, I'm going to go Cam Jackson up front. The Memphis transfer at defensive tackle gives them a big physical body that I think next to a 420 pounder that moves a little bit better and hopefully can give you more reps is going to be a guy that solidifies the middle of that defense consistently, not for a series or two, but for. 70 80 percent of games and there were times when that motor wasn't going for cam but when it does i'm telling you he's heavy-handed he can penetrate and disrupt and when you look at him and you watch him play you think that is an sec interior defensive lineman physically that's what he looks like so it wasn't a really difficult choice for me as far as florida now if we went overall Yes, I think Graham Mertz would be that guy. And I think Graham Mertz is going to have a better year than people think because I think he's a good fit in that offense. And I think everybody else around him is now a little bit more situated and familiar with how that offense is going to operate. And people are taking too much off the spring game and thinking that he just can't play. And actually, I I know for a fact, Wisconsin didn't want him to leave. So sidebar Mert's going to be better than people think, but Cam Jackson's that dude. That's not a quarterback best transfer coming in for Florida this off season, Georgia, another one, not very tough. I mean, what are they bring in two or three. So I think here you're really choosing between Dominic Lovett and Ra- Ra Thomas. Now, Georgia's had some great X receivers in the past, big body down the field, one-on-one back shoulder, go up and attack the football, high point catch radius, the whole deal. So yes, rah-rah gives you a little bit of a bigger body, but with the other pieces on this offense and the versatility that they're going to bring specifically a tight end, I think you're looking at. Dominic Lovett is the most important transfer that Georgia brings in. You can line him up in the slot. You can motion him, hand him the football. You can even put him in the backfield, throw him the football out of the backfield. Missouri did a lot of different things with him, and I think he helps your offense win a lot of different ways. So for me... The most important transfer George Georgia bringing in is Dominic Lovett. I know there weren't a lot to choose from, didn't have to. Hell, they don't need a lot of transfers. So that's not one that you have to be overly concerned about and not one that you're going to look at and say, oh, thank goodness he's here. But I do think Lovett changes that offense and he gives them a dynamic that they haven't had a ton of. And that's just versatility. a guy who can move, who can touch the ball in different places, but gives you explosive capabilities to score anytime, anywhere he touches the football. So he makes that offense different. And I'm most anxious to see with that George to offense how much of the versatility do they maintain? Because going into the playoffs, when you asked, I was asked about certain individuals would be it quarterback, tight end receiver, running back the O line. The thing that was most difficult to manage was how much they could run because they literally had every play in the playbook at their disposal. That's how good Monkin was. And I think ultimately what made them the most difficult to defend, even though there were a ton of different things that were tough for them to defend. So Dominic love it, That dude for me, when it comes to Georgia, Kentucky, another really interesting one, this is kind of a fun, fun, one to talk about because we talk a lot about Devin Leary and he's a better quarterback than a lot of sec fans understand played at NC state was very successful when healthy, when not healthy, not as effective, like not even dinged up. I'm not talking about out of the lineup. Obviously nobody's effective when they're out of the lineup, but for Kentucky to have a good year this year, he needs to be upright. I've been very high on Vanderbilt transfer Ray Davis at tailback. I love the kid. Went back and watched the film last year. No one talking about him. And I'm thinking, man, six yards, 11 yards, four yards and getting no help whatsoever. So for your, the bang for your buck that Ray Davis is going to bring in is fantastic but I cannot allow him to be the most important transfer coming in because Marquez Cox comes in from Northern Illinois. And you know what? If you want to go Cortland Ford from USC at the other tackle, that's fine. I think Cox is a more ready made tackle right now, especially for what they're going to be asked to do. He's a little more athletic East and West. You got to keep your quarterback upright, man. Like they, they got to have Devin Leary playing football. And you guys have heard me talk about this wide receiver core. Kentucky has the best wide receiver room from a talent perspective, top to bottom than they've ever had in the history of the program. Therefore, even if there is no Ray Davis and do Tom McLean and a couple other guys, I got to figure some things out. I think the receiving core is talented enough with a good quarterback. If the offensive line is just C plus B minus to be able to make Liam Cohen's offense go. Therefore it can't be Ray Davis for me. And I love the kid. But it's got to be Marquez Cox because he's the most ready, the most athletic right now to come in and help an offensive line that was absolutely porous a year ago. So I would love to say Ray Davis here. And once again, if we're including quarterbacks, it's Devin Leary kids. He's a baller. He can play. He can flat out play. He is a dude. However, I can't let this one be Ray Davis because that offensive line is too important. And I do think everything else outside of the running back position gives them enough juice on offense to be able to maintain and have positive drives and score points, even if that position wasn't really going. So that's where I'm going for the Wildcats. LSU won a little bit different, too. Um, we know corner is a concern nickel right now. Safety is a little bit of a concern for Matt house in that defense. And I think you look at Denver Harris, you look at Zy Alexander and say, we need to upgrade corner. That's gotta be better. We can't, can't be losing these one-on-ones. Yes. I understand. But with the versatility that Harold Perkins is going to show, I think you look at Omar Spates and how much you're going to need a guy in the middle of that defense, He's a veteran. He's played a ton of football. He'll be able to verbalize everything. He'll understand everything. He'll be able to call the formations, the motions, the shifts. He's not going to be tricked. He's put on about 12 pounds since he's gotten there. So physically he's going to be more capable than he was at Oregon state where he was a sideline to sideline behemoth. Now I think if you're going to use Harold Perkins up to rush the passer, or if you're going to blitz him from depth, You got to have somebody off the ball that can handle all that stuff. Omar Spades can handle that. And now physically he's ready to handle the sec. So I think, yeah, you could go corner here. I understand it, but who's going to affect more plays throughout the course of a game. A off the ball linebacker or a single corner. And if the off the ball linebacker and how he is playing is allowing your actual best pass rusher to go rush the passer because of what he's capable of, then he becomes really important. So Omar Spates for LSU to me, the most important just transfer period that they brought in this offense for uh, they brought into this football team for Brian Kelly. I think he's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be a great fit. I think he'll have a productive season. This may be the most difficult one we've done. The Ole Miss Rebels come to the, come to the sip, the portal King Lane Kiffin, um, Joshua Harris, the defensive tackle. I've told you guys about that. I love, I think is going to be a great fit. All they got to do is just like, just inch the motor up a little bit, like just get a little more uh, going every now and then he's going to be a real player. All right. You get another D tackle formerly at Alabama IMG from Nebraska. That's going to come in. I'm going to help. Yes. But not what Harris is. Harris would take that cake there. We're going to remove Spencer Sanders because we said no quarterbacks, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think he wouldn't even be number one on this list because I've said since spring ball, Jackson Darts winning this job. So Trey Harris is a wide receiver from Louisiana Tech. Not getting the hype that a Sakari Franklin is getting from UTSA. A little more production for Franklin. He's a little more loose, but I'm just telling you guys right now. Everything that I said about Jair Shorter from North Texas going to Auburn, I see some of those same things in Trey Harris from Louisiana Tech. A little more big, physical. I can handle a little bit more. I could see him work in the middle of the field. And if Sakari Franklin gets a little more attention, he's the one that's going to get more targets. So I understand that Franklin it has all the flash and all the, everything that everybody's excited about. But for me, Trey Harris might be a notch ahead there. Still not going with either one of those guys because I think Caden Priestcorn, tight end from Memphis, is the one that allows this offense to go because he's going to give you both aspects. He can line up in line physically, he can move people, he's a grinder of a blocker, but he can also detach and find his way open, and he's got pretty good hands. He is not as athletic as Trigg, but having him on the field, I think, allows Trigg to do more athletic things. You don't need Michael Trigg then to be as much of an inline tight end. And I'll tell you right now 12 personnel, one back, two tight end. It's everybody's favorite formation right now, especially when you got a guy like Trigg that you can move and do different things with. And he's still a matchup guy. It's one of the reasons I think Fairweather is such a good gift for Auburn that people don't really spend a ton of time talking about. But I think Kaden Priestcorn. And being around guys in this offense, most of you have heard me say this before. The tight ends make that offense go because formationally what it gives you, how you can motion, the different things that you can do at tempo with having a tight end that doesn't just have to be in one spot and is not athletic enough to give you mismatches and do different things. When that position goes down, the offense changes a lot. I know it sounds crazy, but I kind of think Lane's going to find some wide receivers anywhere. I do think they were they upgraded, both with Harris and the kid out of Louisiana Tech. But still, I think Caden Priest Corn, tight end from Memphis, gives them more versatility, more physicality, which is going to be important. Think about it: you got a running back that's the best returning running back in college football. Let's get somebody up there on the on the line of scrimmage. It's going to help move some people a little more oomph. So what we want, what we need, Caden Priestcorn—that dude for me. As far as the most important transfer, and there's seriously there were a lot to choose from here. I mean, a lot to choose from. Like Isaac Yuku, I think is a big time pass rusher, but I think you had a couple other guys off the edge coming back that may be able to help you some there, and I think he's going to be another help. But this was a position I just feel like Ole Miss had to have in this offense to make everything else go. It's going to make life easier for Judkins. It's going to make life easier for that offensive line. And for Charlie Weiss Jr. calling plays, it's going to make his life a lot easier, too. And it's going to be a great benefit for Michael Trigg. One. He doesn't have to do all the grinder in line, go block defensive end stuff as often. And you're able to take advantage of his athleticism when people bulk up to try to, top a, try to stop a two tight end set and he can run past you, jump over you and dunk on your face. It's that simple for me. All right, Mississippi State. Another one we don't have a ton to choose from, um, but I'm going to go Rylan Goo tight end from Georgia. And it's pretty easy here. Like I could probably go um, the Gregarious Spears kid from TCU. I, I just... Mississippi State's got to have some tight ends. Like You're going to have tight ends in this offense. It's a multiple tight end offense. And the different run plays that they're going to utilize, the play action, the bootlegs that they're going to utilize, hitting balls out in the flat, running split zone, like you need tight ends to run these plays. You have to have them. And they didn't have any on the roster. So they had to go get a couple. And all of a sudden, these guys become extremely important. Now, Kamari Rogers at corner, maybe. I get it but uh, you have an attacking defense. It's going to make a lot happen behind the line of scrimmage. Your front seven is going to be solid. They're going to muck a lot of things up to where, I don't know if an incoming corner to me would be as important as just the tight end position. And honestly, I don't really care about how athletic the catch radius running past people physicality, like they just needed bodies there. And I think good probably ends up being more of the guy. So I'll go with him as the most important incoming transfer non quarterback, which I think he's still going to be there because I think the backup quarterback that you got from Vanderbilt, Mike Wright, May not even end up being the actual backup quarterback anyway. He'd be maybe more of a, a utility player, kind of jack of all trades, Swiss Army knight that can help you athletically do some different things, like a former Mississippi State quarterback did when he went up to Virginia. All right, uh, let's go to Missouri. Uh, this is one, too. Not a ton to choose from, but a little bit weird because we're not going quarterback. So maybe Jake Garcia falls into that because if he becomes the quarterback, we haven't seen a ton of him at Missouri, but. We don't even know yet, Brady Cook, Sam Horn, like how the baseball deal, like how is this all going to play out? We don't know. So it's kind of hard to just say Garcia would have been that guy anyway. So what does Missouri really need? Well, we mentioned one of the receivers is going to be playing at Georgia this year, and it's their most important transfer that they got coming in. So. I do think Cam Johnson, who's going to play on that offensive line from Houston, is a really good football player. I like his film, Good pad level, good push, pretty athletic for a big, thick body. Um, and I think that's a group that probably needs a little bit of help outside of tackle. Uh, but Luther Burton's going to go inside. And Luther Burden's going to be moved. Motions. They're going to pitch in the ball. They're going to push past. They're going to throw to him quickly, and they'll utilize him in the slot to be able to do different things. So, what do you have outside? Well, here comes Theo Weiss from Oklahoma, six three two zero five. A guy that's a little bit more athletic. A guy that can attack the football that I think helps you down the field and allows you to keep Luther Burden inside because if you get a little bit of attention outside and that safety has got to respect it and stay up over the top. Now burden can work his magic in a lot of different ways. That was a pretty easy one for me, although there were a couple of different options, but I think the in this offense. And also let's put it this way. If we don't know who the quarterback is right now, What does that position probably need more than anything? Outside of protection up front, it needs an eraser. It needs a guy to help him out. I mean, he needs a big body down the field that every now and then they can say, Hey man, one on one, go catch me a football. And they go grab it and get positive yards. So for me, Weese would be that guy for Missouri. South Carolina is a little bit tricky. It's an interesting one. I like this one because Trey Knox is going to be big for South Carolina. The Arkansas transfer, former wide receiver, big body kid, super athletic, really bought in to moving to tight end during his time at Fayetteville. And I always say with some of these lighter athletic tight ends, I don't care if you're knocking the shit out of people in the line of scrimmage. Like, I don't need you blowing people off the ball. But if you're in, in the fair weather kid did this. You know, when Florida had maybe the most athletic tight end we've ever seen a couple of years ago, he at least he put his face mask in there, shot his hands, ran his feet, and he gave a good effort. That's what Trey Knox does. He's not a devastating blocker, but by God, he's going to give you every bit of effort he has with it. Just because physically he's 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 not going to bring that style of football because that wasn't what he was normally built to do. But he's bought into it. He's he's owned it and he's taken ownership of that position. Well, South Carolina has their athletic Swiss army knife. Jaheim Bell tied in lead to go to Florida state. Here comes Trey Knox. I think he's a massive help because, Juice Wells is going to get a lot of attention. The offensive line might not be great. He's there close to the line of scrimmage, can help that group out a little bit, which trust me, I I thought about going Jackson Hughes tackle from Charlotte here. I mean, you lost one of your best offensive linemen in the spring game. So I think Jackson is going to be a guy that helps them. Like he has a really clean pass set. He does some nice things fundamentally with his hands and feet. He's not getting a ton of hype coming in, but I think he helped South Carolina this year. The reason that this was hard is Nick Garguillo, the offensive lineman transferring him from Yale. I mean, this dude was voted captain twice and they only vote one person captain. The team votes on it. If that doesn't tell you a hell of a lot about what he's all about and what he brings to the table and from all accounts that I was told during spring ball, like physically, emotionally, mentally, he brought a little something different to the party every day so the Gamecocks probably needed that up front on that offensive line and he brings it but I can't get away from Trey Knox how much he's going to help Rattler how he can help the offensive line in the run game a little bit the different ways they'll be able to move him new offensive coordinator coming in so and you, you know they're still going to run multiple tight end sets but if he needs to be at H Y if you need to put him in the backfield run him out as a fullback he'll probably be able to do that and you can still split him out just that versatility is going to be so important with an offense that you know has a guy in juice Wells is going to come a ton of respect and a ton of attention could open up a lot for Trey Knox to have a big year this year in South Carolina. Tennessee's a fun one too. And I think Tennessee, a lot of people would just say, oh, Dante Thornton, Oregon wide receiver. I'm told that he runs similar to Jalen Hyatt. Okay, cool. But they're also bringing in some highly regarded freshman wide receivers that could, I don't know, might. Might. I'm not going to guarantee it. Come in and be able to help you out a little bit. Still got Brew McCoy. Still got Romel Keaton. Still got Squirrel Wright. You know who you lost, though? Was Darnell Wright. And he was the best tackle in the SEC last year. So John Campbell, this tackle from Miami, apparently is turning some heads during the spring in this offseason. And if he can lock down that spot... I think the Tennessee offense was different last year because of what they were up front. Quarterback, fantastic. Wide receivers, great. Running back, solid. But when that offensive line gets different in that offense it's damn near impossible to defend. And with what Darnell and company did, I think that's at certain points in time when they became unstoppable. So who's going to fill in there. And I think John Campbell could be one of those guys. Now we can make a real case here for Keenan Peely, the BYU transfer at linebacker, because we could also say that defense wasn't great last year and they just need a playmaker. Like, give me a dude who can make some plays and versatility to be able to blitz to be able to pressure play off the ball sideline to sideline i think he gives you some of that um but i think the more important aspect is protecting Joe Milton, continuing to get the run game going and to be able to allow even the other wide receivers outside of Thornton, if we're not counting him to be able to go make plays and attack teams in a certain way. So I'm going John Campbell, the tackle out of Miami. I actually expect him to have a really nice year. Some of what I've heard, some because of what I saw from previously, but I think he has a really nice year for the Vols and Dante Thornton could too. But I also think that there are multiple guys that are going to get footballs. So like Brew's going to get targets. Keaton's going to get targets. White's going to get targets. So, And you still got a really good tight end that's there and a pretty good back. So because of everything, the offensive line needed to help the most. Maybe not outside the defense, but they're going to win games on offense. Let's be real. So I'm going to go John Campbell. All right, Texas A&M another one's pretty easy we don't need to spend a ton of time on it because there's not a ton of dudes going in I'll go Tony Grimes cornerback out of UNC um, outside of one safety spot I don't feel super comfortable with the a secondary so you go get someone with experience understanding of playing big-time college football should be able to come in lock down a spot and be a good player for that AM defense and also think for Vanderbilt um, I'll go with the Nias DeCosmo uh, the edge defender from Stanford now you lost one of your better edge def- Defenders to Auburn transfers there. So you lose a big spot there. We know the emphasis is going to be on defense. They're going to be multiple up front. So that edge defender is going to have to play off the ball, play down as a normal defensive end, play the run, rush the passer. And I think he brings some versatility. Plus, he's a guy that obviously, from a workload standpoint, knows just what it's like going to come over from Stanford and be able to help a defense that needs it. Offensively, I don't think they had a ton of guys that I saw coming in. They're going to make a massive difference. You're solid at quarterback, you're solid at wide receiver. So the offensive line back need to take a big step there. Not going to be Ray Davis at tailback, but I'll go with the edge defender from Stanford as the most important. So most important thing for you to know, if you're looking for a new pair of jeans, blue Delta jeans. Custom fit denim, the most comfortable, the most breathable, stretchy pair of jeans you will ever own. And they're not going to be super hot when you go out in this Alabama heat right now, which is basically devastating. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. If you talk to the guys, tell Nick you heard about them right here on Cube Show. And you want a pair of custom fit denim jeans now. And they'll get them to you and you will love them forever. You're never going to want another pair of jeans after you have a pair of Blue Delta jeans. I promise you that. All right, so that wraps it up for today. The most important transfers into every SE school this offseason, not including quarterbacks. It would have been too easy with some of the quarterbacks here. So, all right, we'll continue with the show each and every sunday we've got conversations with cole up now also on the youtube page a couple of those via podcast a couple guys down in the senior bowl marshall yonda jim nagy lane johnson go check those out some fun conversations trying to do a little something different on the channel youtube is at cube show 61 twitter instagram at cube show please like rate revive subscribe whatever josh pate tells you to do because we're not even close to him but we're just trying appreciate you guys tuning in we'll be back next sunday